Hello and welcome to the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast, PC, like Pinal County, PC. If this is your first time tuning in, know that God honors and blesses those who diligently seek his word and put it into action. Or if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. You know, we learn from the book of Jeremiah, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. You see, friends, Jesus is constantly putting us upon the potter's wheel to mold us and transform us, as it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you're following along with me, be prepared to power up your life as you join me and others each week as we explore all things pertaining to Jesus. Now, let's center ourselves. We're going to go right into God's presence with a benediction, which is usually given at the end of a service. But I want to give you this blessing right up front. You see, friends, it comes from Moses's brother, Priest Aaron. It's right out of Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Ah, man, what a blessing to get started with. Well, today we are continuing on in our study about service and obedience, God's way. You see, our first parable is from the Gospel of Luke, and it's called The Nobleman's Servants. And if you'd like to follow along, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. Now, I'm going to give you kind of a disclaimer here. It's similar to yesterday's when we talked about the loaned money parable from the book of Matthew. So let's get started. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together 10 servants and gave them 10 pounds of silver to invest for him while he was gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say they did not want him to be their king. When he returned, the king called the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what they had done with the money and what their profits were. The first servant reported a tremendous gain, 10 times as much as the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a trustworthy servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. The next servant also reported a good gain, five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You can be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, I hid it and kept it safe. 
I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. Oh, you wicked servant, the king roared. Hard am I. If you know so much about me and how tough I am, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank so I could at least get some interest on it? Then, turning to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who earned the most. But master, they said, that servant has enough already. Yes, the king replied, but to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. And now about these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in my presence. You see, friends, the people Jesus was referring to in his story still held out hope for a political leader who would set up an earthly kingdom, getting rid of Roman domination. Jesus was showing that his kingdom would not take on this form right away. First, he would go away for a while and his believers were to be productive and faithful in his absence. However, upon his return, Jesus would inaugurate a kingdom more powerful and just than anything the people could expect. This story has direct application to us as Jesus' hearers. At the time he told this story, because we live in the time frame in between Jesus' departure and his second coming. We too have many resources available for building the kingdom of God. And the expectation from Jesus is that we will help to build and expand the kingdom, that we will adopt a high return on investment mentality. Think back to the seed planted for everyone planted a minimum of 10 were harvested and that was considered good but some even produced a 60 and a hundred fold yield and we each will need to provide an accounting of what serving and obedience to god looks like now the king was especially hard on the man who didn't increase the king's money because he showed he didn't share in his master's interest in the kingdom. He also didn't trust his master's intentions. He demonstrated he was only concerned for himself and he did not use the money wisely. We all should desire for God's kingdom to experience exponential growth while we're here upon earth. With that said, we must be investing our resources for kingdom growth. Now, the final parable we're going to explore today is very short, but at the same time, it packs a punch. It's very poignant. It's found in Luke chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. And here Jesus says, When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, he doesn't just sit down and eat. He must first prepare his master's meal and serve him his supper before eating his own. And the servant is not even thanked because he's merely doing what he is supposed to do. 
the expectation has been met. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we're not worthy of praise. That's Jesus talking there. We're servants who have simply done our duty. The truth is when we stand in agreement with God's word and we're obedient, we should not expect anything extra. This is living a kingdom level life. It's our minimal position that we operate from. In other words, it's our duty or our privilege to serve God. We shouldn't place serving God as a box to check off, and it certainly isn't worthy of extra credit. So remember, obedience isn't something that we do, it's our duty because we love Jesus. And Jesus wasn't merely suggesting that there's no meaning or that our efforts are meaningless. Rather, he was tempering our egos and our spiritual pride, helping us to stay balanced, keeping any potential for sin for us out of harm's way. And you know, we hear a lot about the scripture, Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Here Jesus says, I tell you this, whatever you prohibit on earth is prohibited in heaven, and whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. Other variations refer to this as binding and loosing. The word guides us in seeking scriptures to stand upon. And as God's children, we have the authority to stand upon our situations and assert Jesus's power over the situations. So see, Jesus gave believers who were children of the Most High God this authority, this power, this authorization. Now God's waiting on us to act upon his promises that are backed upon his name. Remember, we said there's power in the name of Jesus and the authority and the authorization to govern govern spiritual laws comes through our relationship with Jesus. We must not merely implement the word in our lives, but rather we must execute upon the word. And it's time for believers to make a decision to awaken and profess with our mouths the promises of God. The Bible is a living, breathing book. Every time we read it, we're given new revelations. And this is a book that we will never finish, no matter how many times we may read it from cover to cover. And at times we may have different scripture passages that nearly jump off the pages at us. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate within us, we just need to ask and he is sure to deliver. But here's where the rubber meets the road. This book is a to-do book. It's active rather than passive. So today I'm here to help us choose life over the enemy's lies and deceptions. I'm gonna teach us how to operate in our God-given authority. We make declarations and demands in the name of Jesus. I lose wisdom within our leaders in government and all throughout the world in the name of Jesus. So we're going to stand boldly with what the word of God says, and we are going to begin to enforce it. Here's an example of how to stand upon God's word. I plead the blood of Jesus over my children, over the nation, 
over anyone in authority. Father, protect them, keep them, and cause your face to shine upon them. Now that part comes out in numbers. I plead the blood of Jesus over my land, over my property, over my businesses, over every individual connected to me in the name of Jesus. That's a Deuteronomy blessing. I declare today that I am blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I am blessed to achieve fruitfulness in all areas of my life. That's Deuteronomy and Galatians. I am blessed in daily provisions. I'm blessed in daily activities. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Deuteronomy again. The Lord's favor is going before me and goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That comes out of Psalms. I rebuke the demonic assignments, plans, and plots over my life. I decree and declare today that I will walk in the joy of the Lord. That's Philippians. Now authority means the right to exercise power or the power of one whose will and commands must be obeyed by others. I declare and decree that all generational curses are ending right now and all generational blessings are beginning right now. God, we receive these promises over our lives now in the name of Jesus. So what do I mean when I say let's come into agreement pertaining to what the word of God says? Well, according to the Vines Expository Dictionary, this means to be in accord or congruent with. So we come into agreement together when we prepare to enter into God's presence today, just like how we began in the very opening of this message. And then you may be asking, well, what does binding look like? Well, listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. The truth about Jesus is no more popular today than it was in Paul's day. However, hearts that are open hungry and receptive to this word continue to be penetrated. So when Paul proclaimed Jesus was God, he angered many Jews despite the opposition. Our mission is clear. It is to proclaim Jesus Christ. We never know who's going to believe and spiritual rebirths still happen frequently. Our job as believers is to plant the seed of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to water, nurture, and ultimately pull through the seed and pull Jesus through at just the right time. You know, the enemy will take territory anywhere that we are unwilling to place authority. And what about word curses spoken over us? Well, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 2, Solomon tells us, like a fluttering sparrow or darting swallow, an unfair curse will not land on its intended victim. This is telling us, friends, an unfair word curse, things that have been spoken over our lives or against us, will not land, meaning it has no effect net sum zero. And that is because we are children of the most high God. Now, some challenges we will encounter in life, but they're simply generational. Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us about these blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. 
We must be intentional and consistent if we're going to rise. We must speak aloud our confession. We also need to be aware of areas that need to be rebuked, condemned, and cast down. We need to go to the root of an issue with God and dismantle any covenant agreements. As the body of Christ, we employ a different strategy than that of the world. So if you have any delays in any area of your life, speak over yourself now. Delay, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And friends, here's one delay that may perhaps be in your life. If you've not been spiritually reborn, don't delay any longer. Now is the time. God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in his son Jesus by professing with their mouth. Listen to what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. While we can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus, what we can do is we can show him gratitude by growing and making efforts to obey him, deepening our relationship daily, and learning the attributes and character of God. Today, friends, if this is you, respectfully, I'm challenging you to step up right now, take a bold leap of courage and profess and confess after me your faith in God's son, Jesus. Here we go. Father God, today I'm repenting of sin, past, present, and future, all of it, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I'm inviting you to come in and stay within my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sins from the top of my head to the soles of my feet upon that cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you just prayed that prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Now, your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And consider growing by joining a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other like-minded believers who will build up and help to edify your faith in Jesus Christ. Now allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your life. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you might have grown up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. 
We delve into many topics such as declarations, forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful and what love in action looks like, biblical trust, and so many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of all things Jesus. So please join me. And if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe so that you'll get the latest releases as they become available. And friends, occasionally I do reference my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you find the content inspiring or compelling and you want to pick up a copy, feel free to go to my website, pampastorcopywriting.com, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or Dorrance.com. And importantly, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'm going to find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed because the book is full of God's word and it's waiting for you to read it. Until next time, remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And the apostle John gives us this last blessing as the very last sentence of the Bible. It comes out of Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you. Thank you.